Good day, friends. Welcome to the Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. I'm your host, Elcio Eber, transformational author, speaker, and life coach. Allow me to be a guide as you discover your higher self and your magic within. Hello and good day, Lana, and welcome to Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. I'm so happy to have you back for a second time. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Yes, some exciting things going on right now. I know, some very exciting things and big things for you. <laughs> big things to me and uh, big things to me thanks to you. I want to take a moment and say thank you so much for your assistance with the publication of my first book and the editing and helping me with the forward and the description. It, it was just a, a timely assistance where I was just I got overwhelmed with so much happening and you were such a, a foundational rock for me. So I thank you so much. Well, thank you for giving me the opportunity. I would have not had it any other way, truthfully. And it was an amazing read. And it was very new and innovative for me because for folks that don't know me, I tend to spend a lot of time reading books on positivity and change and self-betterment. And this book that you have written I mean, honestly, it is very innovative, but it's very intuitive and it's different from anything that I've actually come across before. Oh, thank you so much. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, 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 the reason I, I chose to call it book one is because it's a it was such a small part of a larger project, but it became I just felt this was the time to release a nice kind of tabletop photo book that had a story behind the story. Who is Coach Elcio? What is he all about? where does all of this inspiration and knowledge come from? And maybe I wanted to share that journey with people. So I figured this was a good starting point to keep it simple, but really share my heart and soul with people. And from that, set it up where they could see what's to come next in book two and some of the other projects that I'm working on. Well, and you know, too, the thing I I feel like is that everybody, we're all going through an evolution, so to speak. And for this to be book one, that lets us know that there's there are more things evolving. Some of that may be as it comes to you. Some of it may be things that you've already gone through and you're gearing up to share. But the good thing about having a series, more than one publication, is once people can actually get locked onto it, it's not like you just throw them out there on your own or on their own and, you know, leave yeah. them to swim alone. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. And then that's how I like to approach the podcast and and also in the the way I'm trying to to present the book, especially the the next one that we're working on, because it's really about sharing then my teaching method or my coaching method for uh, holistic life coaching. And Mm -hmm. so even like from the first time we did with with you and I is when it was just a simple conversation, but suddenly you realize I had taking you deeper and deeper and deeper into consciousness and we were having this deeper conversation that we were intended to. And that's sort of that guided journey that I'm trying to help people to go to. And I want to be that quiet voice there for them that they realize they're not alone once they get out into that depth of the water or that depth of the consciousness of the soul, because it can be an unnerving place to be if you're not really attuned to yourself. Right, right. And I think it's funny when I, well, not funny, but I go back and I'll look at, you know, some of the ways that you've written things. Like you talk about skipping the stones over the water Mm-hmm. And you're also giving us the parallel about swimming in the ocean of consciousness. So you feel that affinity for water, but it's also an affinity for stillness and change and cleansing and reactivation, I think, too. 
Yeah, and that, that's the basis of energy body activation. It, 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 that's from that still place within yourself that you, you start to learn to move with and to life in a poetic fashion. And that can only be done by the activation of the soul within the body or the passion that comes surfaces and comes up. And I remember when that skipping the stone across the water came to me because it was a you know the seer seeing the scene what what came first the seer the seer the sod which was their seeing the sight and it was like someone watching someone tossing the stone out and then that person that tosses the stone watching the stones skip the water as if they're watching their life go forward in these segments and when they come to realize it when they come to the end which is the fullness they were all they were always the observer observing themselves and they didn't realize that so it really helps you to go full circle within. So I think for our listeners, it might be really good for maybe you to explain. And I know I've touched on this a little bit in the introduction, but to start off with how you came up with the concept of swimming in the ocean of consciousness. Mm. I think the concept came up with me, <laughs> came to me. I'm a very deep thinker and I'm a very spiritual person. And those two things together came to a blending place where my sense of stillness inside, when, once I can calm my mind, I can go very quickly into this beautiful place that I, not to freak anyone out, but when I get into some deep meditations, I, I feel myself hovering above the earth and I have been able to see beyond I don't know. I was having like an out-of-body experience where I was above experiencing celestial bodies around me. And then I just sort of came back in and I realized that this ebb and flow of mind and consciousness is connected to the heart or the emotions and the physical body. And so the physical body, you know, we feel things, we touch things, and that helps us to do really, that translates them into emotions. But when we start to explore our minds and the depths of our mind, that leads into spirituality, that leads into consciousness, a little different depth of sense. And, and as I was in there one day, just exploring the depths of what was, because like I said, you have to get comfortable with it. It came to me more like waves coming in, tides rising, waves coming in and out, crashing. And I realized it's that what spirituality is or what our connection to the, the, the creator is in consciousness is liking to the ocean water that comes and goes. And... I realized that the, how you have to be brave within yourself to swim from the shore into the depths of the water when you're 30, 40 feet below and you're not sure what's below you. You start to feel all alone in this large vastness and the ocean just seems like it's so big and you're just the only one out there swimming. And that's why a lot of people stay close to the shore because they can just touch ground and walk off really fast. Mm-hmm. And that, con- that connection and that metaphor just stuck with me that as you get deeper into self and into your body and your mind and consciousness, it is liking to the tides of water that comes in and out and goes. And you can only truly discover yourself kind of like what I used for skipping a stone. Once you can release who you think you are at the surface of the seashore and to really let go and go into the depths. But many people won't go into the depth because it's, it's like looking into the mirror in a quiet room all by yourself. It's not the, 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 the easiest thing to do for most people or just to sit with yourself in, in, in stillness because 
if you're not comfortable to navigate that area, it becomes overwhelming. Emotionally, it becomes overwhelming because so much things surface within yourself because you have to face yourself and not people are not used to that. And that gets, I guess that's where the term of ego comes into play. We're so used to living our lives from this perspective or from that perspective or to be liked by this person or that person to live up to this standard or that standard. And that's what I'm liking to the shores of the side. If you can release all of that, you will truly discover who you are. But what you will discover is who you truly are is not what you think you are, thought you were to be. And that's where you, you learn to, to let go of what was. Right. Just to kind of go back a little bit, on when you talk about meditation, yeah. I think about uh, one of the terms I've heard probably most of my life is is getting in touch with your higher self. Yeah, and I think a lot of times it's it's not unheard of with meditation that you actually tap into that. And I don't I don't know if you call it your greater power, your energy, probably your energy. To me, is a a big thing because that goes right in tune with when you talk about the patterns of life or the patterns of the waves rippling against the shore. All energy has some pattern to it. It all has some waveform. I mean, that's a scientific fact. And I think exactly what you're talking about is your translation of that energy and getting in touch with your higher self, whether you, you know, your higher mind or your bigger self, your larger self, to be able to get past the set of personal experiences we have had in our physical body to be able to embrace the higher energy that we actually, everybody possesses. Very true. Is that, is that, is that a fair assumption? <laughs> Well, the resonance sound that many have talked about from the Indian society calls it the great Om, mm-hmm. or we call it the resonance said, But it's a fact, it's a mathematical equation. It's a fractalization of what is the, the, the origins of the universe. We are physical, but we are, we are really emanations of that sound. What happens is... We, as we forget or we, we are able to tune into the frequency of life mm-hmm. itself, we, we detach ourselves in a way and we just sort of become this closed-minded type of being where we think that we are the rulers of the universe and we are the ones that are supposed to really take charge and dominate everything. And that's hard to let go for us to realize, well, you know, you're no different from the hawk that soars the skies. You're no different from the dolphins and the whales that swim the seas. We are all connected and we are one. And we are all a resonant fractalization of that one original sound that created the universe. I mean, in the Christian Bible, they talk of at the beginning was the word and the word was the sound. That sound is primordial and it still resonates the universe today. And what I found is many people in, in our day-to-day lives, we are so consumed with ourselves. We're so consumed with money and wealth and love and sex and everything that we want to be outside and everyone that we want to please that we never for a moment stop and listen to our hearts and listen to our minds and allow that sound to speak to us and realize that we can actually hear, we can hear the earth, we can hear the winds, we can hear the, that creativeness that is in the stillness. But for many, they, they, they can't come to a place of stillness long enough to poetically move through life, to poetically feel the breeze as it flows. And you, you know, this summer's ending, here comes the autumn, in the fall and everything is beautiful, but 
can we really stop for a moment and feel the shift of the earth? Can we feel the transition? We don't. We just think, oh, this Halloween is going to be Thanksgiving and it's Christmas. And we look at Black <laughs> Friday is coming. Got to get that discount. Well, see that, you know, that puts me in, in uh, the mindset of propaganda. <laughs> but you know, it has to do with, yeah, and that's the deepest, deepest topic to get into. But because, you know, we're conditioned that way. And, and right. The step away from that, as we said, feels scary because then you have no one to guide you to it. And so for me, I was so comfortable in it, like I said, that I realized my pur- true purpose was to be a lighthouse at that seashore for others right. that are lost in darkness. Because many people are too scared to get into the, the, the ocean of consciousness and to go really into the depths. But at the other side of that, I call it the great li- lake, like Lady of the Lake. At the other side of that, there is your true higher self, your true purposeful self that is truly attuned to that frequency consistently. We are consistently attuned to the frequency. And then therefore we try to make up our own. And that's what the ego does. It just tries to, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll improvise and I'll do this and I'll do that. But because it can't sit still for a moment and be. Right. But the word was in stillness and the world became. And the world became the world that we know. And that for me was where I really started to understand the tides rising and I started to really make the connection between those experiences as you talk about to the uh-huh. emotional heart. We, 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 same way we can't visualize or we can't experience is because we can't feel. We can't deal with pain or we can't deal with hurt or we can't really deal with love, a truly deepness of what love is because love is selfish. I mean, we think, I think the illu- biggest illusion is that we think love is this beautiful thing, but really what it comes at the end of the day, you can realize love is truly of self because another needs to love themselves before they love you. Oh, sure. Absolutely. But society teaches us you, you sacrifice yourself to love another. You give up everything to love another. And I had a, a recent lady from India that I was talking to, a Kirti Ghul, and it was really helping her to see that if you can get past tradition and you can pass all of these religious boundaries that was set on her as the woman in the house, she also then had a rights to life. She also had a rights to, to, to make a decision or at least to be a part of the decision for the family. And she felt she was not. She, she said, everything is defined by the male. Right. We have to compromise. And I said, what do you mean? She said, this is just how it is. Why fight what is normal? You just copy and paste and go with it. Mm-hmm. Kind of like a document. She was trying to refer that. Right. She doesn't get to. She doesn't get to, to create. Be part of the original scripting. Everything is copy pasted for her. Her life is well, That's when I use the term propaganda. That's what I mean. I mean that in terms of we're defined by our set of experiences we have growing up. Whether that's we're part of our parents' religion or we adopt the beliefs that we were raised with, only because that's the only thing we were exposed to at that time. And it's not necessarily that that's what we chose. It's that's what was given to us. Yeah. And that's a means of, and it may be the same for, you know, for parents, they may have been raised in the same religion or, you know, had the same belief system or ideologies about money or capitalism or whatever. But you, when you're a child and you have all of these influences, you know, you want to think mommy knows best or daddy knows best. And sometimes it's truly not the case because we have a hard time, as they say, seeing the forest for the trees. <laughs> very true. Very true. So and I, I experienced that in my coaching, whether it was in my life coaching, mm-hmm. in my health and fitness, health and wellness, or my tennis coaching. But I naturally always saw kids as little people. 
and I mm-hmm. spoke to them in that way and I communicated with them that way. And the parents would always look at me strange, but then shortly after they would realize, oh my God, this kid never listens to anyone or he's never interested in anything. All of a sudden you and him have this connection and you're laughing and you're having a good time, but then he listens to what you're teaching him. He, he's following what you're saying and I'm watching him learn. Right. What did you do? I said, I didn't do anything. I was just myself. <laughs> but who I am is I'm like, but you're empathetic. You have empathy for people and you have the gift of being able to put yourself in their shoes or to be able to understand their situation. Yes. And that's what makes you an excellent, whether it's a life coach, a health and wellness coach, tennis coach, all those different things. That's what makes you a good coach, a good trainer, a good teacher. And that's what I mean with so many ocean of consciousness. You see, and that's what I, I brought in a singing bowl because when I speak to people and when I listen to them specifically, every syllable, everything that they say, just like the sound from the singing role, it resonates. But most people stop for, for a fraction of a second that they're not even realizing this, they're pausing, but they're, they're translating what they're hearing this person say. Mm-hmm. I'm not like that. I don't know. I was never really wired that way. So I, I just sort of like, like with music and harmony, I can, I can, I'm list, as I listen to people, I, I almost can surf on this frequency that is their voice and it takes me inside of their heart and I can feel what they really want to say. So that's why sometimes, especially with kids, if they have hard things saying, but I can feel what they're saying or feeling and I can then help them to that perspective because I can feel and see their heart. And that to me is the ocean of consciousness because as I, I'm still connected to them physically, I'm now connected with them mentally and emotionally. And from right. here I can communicate with them on an emotional scale and a mental scale which essentially is on a spiritual scale, but, you know, not many people are comfortable with the term spirituality and so forth because it, it, it's hard to separate it from religion and, and other aspects of it. But that, again, is something that we all need to kind of face and, and learn how to go past. But, but as you were saying, it's part of the condition. We're conditioned to put those right. things together and they're not the same thing. Religion is the, 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 the processes and procedures for one to, to, to become connected to their higher self. Right. Spirituality is the calling, the connection to that source that is calling you. And you're, 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 you're following, and that's why I say leading by blinding faith. You're following a frequency that you can feel in your heart, feeling your spirit. Religion is, is we're going to create these procedures. We're going to show you how it is. This is what worship is. This is the block, block, block. And you will get there if you follow what we say. <laughs> well, and you know, you know what's unfortunate about that? is that most of what you're talking about, manufactured religion is manufactured by people. And people are prone to error. Everybody is. So I think it's more important to develop, like what you're saying, that spiritual sense, your own spirituality. And then if you do fall in line with religion, great. If you don't, great. You don't necessarily have to be part of an organized religion to be a spiritual person. No, because we're spiritual by nature. Right. You know, when we're infants and toddlers in preschool together, we communicate spiritually. If you ever watch little kids together, they're like, what are they going on? <laughs> <laughs> No, but, you know, and, and, but think, think of it for adults now that grew up and not everyone gets it. Not everyone feels connected. Some, some let go of it. But let's say, for instance, the first time you and I met. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like it was just an instant for me then. It was just this instant knowing and feeling that this is familiar. This person feels comfortable. And right. 
I, like I said, I can follow your voice and what, what was behind you, the, the tone of your voice to me was just purity. There was no, you know, there, you were who you were and there was no other ulterior motive there and it was just pure love. And I sensed that and then I was like, oh my God, I'm talking to a real person. Right. And then you don't have to hide who you are. You don't have to feel the same because you can speak from the heart. You can communicate from the heart. And that was new for me because like I said, sometimes you go to these events in a lot of rooms and you just feel that a lot of people that are full of themselves, a lot of hot air balloons around. <laughs> they all want to outwit the other one. They all want to like, look at me. I'm, I'm going to be the next big thing. Look at me. I'm going to, but then sometimes you'll just find people that truly are and they don't have to be that because they, they're just standing on something solid. Right. Right. I think you're very right there. And I think too, going along with that, a lot of that has to do with the inner, like the energy and the vibes that, that you give off. If you wake up in the morning and something goes wrong in the morning, let's say you're all dressed to go to work and you spill coffee all over yourself, you know, it kind of puts you in that negative sense the rest of the day. And nine times out of 10, that energy carries over into your conversations, say with coworkers or family or, you know, whereas if you can pull in and keep that positive vibe, that positive energy going, that in turn, the same way affects the rest of your day. It's an emotional, it's a disconnection between the, the, the mind of man and the emotional heart. And then, like you said, with the physical experiences and those, that's the, the internal rewiring or reconnecting that meditation helps with versus different from prayer or different from something else. I like what you use running because running is the greatest meditation because your mind connects to your heart, to your breathing, but the body now is functioning and that creates this high endorphin, which, you know, takes you to a deeper, deeper state of consciousness level. But yet you're touching the ground and you're staying focused and running into people. So, yeah. <laughs> but, so what happens is it's scary for some people that when you get to that point as a runner, you get to miles, miles four, five, six, you're really pushing through things. You start to realize you're conscious of the breathing, you're conscious of the focus right. of the mind, you, you start to be conscious of the left foot, right foot, hand, the sweat that's running down. You start to become conscious of so much things. And it's, that's, what, that's the part of the ocean of consciousness I'm talking about. When we release and we get there, we become conscious of all. And that's scary because we think that we are individually separated from everything else. And the truth is we're not. Right. And I do yeah. have to throw this in. There's nothing like that runner's high either. <laughs> no, that, that, and that is, that, that's what I'm talking about. We, we try to reach there. Like, you, you know, you don't want to do a half a mile run because you're not, you're not going to get to that. Yeah. <laughs> if you can get that endurance and get that focus to that three level, that three mile, I think that's why the five pace are like, it's not too hard, but it's just enough to where you, you start to really get into that zone of feeling that feeling. Right. Um, and it's funny, just I'm going to sidetrack for just a minute. And it, sure. the other day, I guess it was about a week and a half, maybe two weeks ago, I was doing my five miles, you know, trying to work up and cut back my time on doing a five mile run. And it was so funny because I got so close to the end. And all of a sudden, this wave of emotion just came over and I was so happy, but I wanted to cry. Yeah, it yeah. was just it was the strangest thing. And I had not felt that in a very long time. And it's amazing when what you're talking about, that connection between the physical, the emotional and the spiritual happens. Yeah. It's, it's very invigorating. And I don't know how else to say it. And I'm not being disrespectful, but it's it, it's orgasmic. Yeah. Right. If, if anyone. Can it is. It. It's a release. It's, yeah. It is a release. Absolutely. <laughs> So it's, it's almost like 
in a non-sexual way, but you accept yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. No, because, it, and if you, especially if you keep pushing through it, you, you, and that's why I said, you know, the, <laughs> I don't want to get there, but it's like, it, it rushes to the body and then the mind is so clear and then the, you could feel the heart beating and, and all of a sudden you're feeling something more and all of those things connected, that's the ocean of consciousness. Right. Now it's, to, it's to, for you to identify yourself in the physical, yourself as a mind, yourself as an emotional heart of being that's connected. And then that sort of deeper, which we call spirit, that's connected to source, that's connected to the frequency that only hears the frequency of the creation. We developed language, but we didn't really need it. If we could really stay connected to the source, we wouldn't really need language. Because it gets in the way of communication a lot. And that's why I say if you, right. look, at the little, if you look at the little toddlers playing, they, they, they don't have developed our language, which means they don't have our, our coding, our programming from, that comes from external, from people that think they know best. They're still connected to source. Right. And that communication that they're doing, that's what's special. And that's what's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. I agree. Now, I have to ask you this, because when I was going through and looking at your book, I think that you probably identify with a lot of attributes of animals because you have subtitles in there that talk about like when the hawk soars and the lion, and then you talk about, you know, swimming in the ocean of consciousness with the dolphins and sea life. So am I right? Am I correct by assuming that you identify with certain characteristics of animals? No, you're actually correct, but it wasn't intentional. I think, you know, as I was saying in the beginning, this book is a little shorter in tech, but it was really meant to capture the story behind the story. And that right. is behind my story. And so like the hawk that learned how to soar, it was, sorry, I have to slide back a little deeper in time. But as I was younger, like around 15, 16, going to 17 ages, I was trying to find myself. And I, I, I this is where I really began to question religion because I was raised Catholic and Christian. And I'd have my Baptism, communion, confirmation, all of it all. I did it all, and I was really, you know, I was an altar boy. I went to church all the time. So I was really in a submerged it, but not overly religious. Because my, I was with my grandma. We weren't really religious at home, but she made sure that you, you visit the Lord once a week, and you knew you had to know some, you had to know some connection to a source. And I think she was really great in helping me to understand that we are more than just that. She would always say, you know, you come into the world naked, you leave to the world naked. It means we come with nothing, we go with nothing. So if we right. come with nothing, we go with nothing. Everything in between doesn't matter. It's about the it's about the, the awareness of self prior to arrival, the staying connected to that self through the life that you live. And then as you prepare to, to, to transition is the reconnection to that higher self. And that's the continual, continuum flow of life that is with the heart. That is the passion emotion connection to the poetry emotion connection to the stillness emotion. Right. For me, as I began truly to, to leave religion and to discover spirituality, I had a sort of encounter in, while in, in a meditation type of form, finding myself. And I asked, who, you know, I want to know who, who am I, you know? And right. A whisper told me, you are an Aheru. And I didn't know what that was. So I had to be, you know, I was like, okay. And I felt weird about it. But then I started to look into it and it has Egyptian origins. And the god that I and Heru, and Heru is the son of Osiris. And he, he's, the, he's the legacy to continue for it. And if you put them together from the light of creation, that the source of that resonant sound and to that which then carries that on forward, it becomes, I am the light of my father. Right. So when and I you have, talk about that in your book too, a little bit. Yeah, yes, and it's kind of I try to play with that theme a lot. So when I come back to it too, 
I asked the question, who, I, who am I? Spirit replied, you're the light of the father. But so the hard to learn how to sew is because from that period to my early 20s, I didn't have confidence in myself. I didn't have the courage to, 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 to find and live my true purpose. That, so I was internally struggling between this spiritual connection that I was sensing, who, like you said, from who I was told I needed to be and how, what, what my family line was, what my family's business was, which was tennis, fitness, health, property, apartments, management of properties. So these were the things I grew up in and grew up knowing, but I always knew that I was not that, I was more. But then you don't dare say that. You don't you know who right, you right. change. And so I struggled with that for a long time. And again, spirit came in and how it was presented me is the hawk I learned. I had to learn how to leave the nest and sore. And so, but I was always so ready to try to try things. And I think what happened, I felt like I had left the nest too early and I didn't yeah. know how to fly. And my wings weren't strong enough to keep me gliding through the air. And I fell to the ground and I had to stay on the ground for quite some time to learn how to fly. But I had no other sibling or mentor than other hawks to show me how to fly. So I met a bunch of different animals in, in, the, in, you know, in the forest, in the kingdom. And they helped me to find the courage to be myself. And in that process of time and to those life experiences, I learned how to soar, to rise I, above all limitations and to truly find that connection, which I should have known before for, if I had was prepared. But like I said, leaving the nest and not really being prepared means you have to go to these different life experiences that aren't going to be pleasant. They aren't going to be easy. And it, it's a challenge or test of who you are as a person. Can you truly connect to your true self and your purpose or will you do just confine to what is expected of you? I think a lot of people struggle with that. I think number one, you have a lot of people that like you say, they're afraid to step out and really, you know, pursue their true purpose. And then I think you have people that, they do step out, but they don't know how to get to where they want to be. And they end up, like you talked about, just being stuck yeah. on the ground and, and trying to figure out how to, to you know, let their wings get stronger and, and to soar. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. And I'm so glad that in this book that you address that because that is really one of the most important things in life is figuring out what your purpose is because your happiness is in line with your purpose. That's what makes you fulfilled. Very true. And I, and what happened with the book is that I try to use my own. I'm so honest with myself. Anyone that would follow me on social media, so I've been through a lot of stuff, but I would never, I realized I didn't want to be this person that just posts these selfies all the time on social media. I right. really want to, to me, it's, it's a, to me, it's a digital timeline that I could look back on and say, Hey, where were you two years ago this month? What were you doing? Right. And that's what, and I know I followed you the whole way. <laughs> yeah. And so with the book, I was, I wanted my heart to be open enough to say, Hey, if I want people to look and, and, and understand who Coach Elsio is and understand what's from the ocean of consciousness and what he's trying to achieve, I had to really connect them to how it became, how did I become. And so I use my personal stories a lot, or I tell my personal story from a perspective to help guide the reader to those difficult challenges, like you said. And for me, which I always use the metaphor of drinking a glass of water and the, the quenching of it. So what I mean with that is I always associated that with my ability to connect to that resonant sound 
I very easily can slide into that to source. And that has been a guide for me, but I realize a lot of people doesn't have that ability. And then the mind and the heart is in the way of them connecting to the source. So to be able to feel and hear that, they have to be able to find clarity of mind, balance of heart. And that happens through the breathing and to using the body and what we call energy body activation, connecting your physical body to using the focus of the mind, the energizing or the, the, the warmth or the heat of the, the passion of the heart, the emotions that sets the blaze of fire, what is then the soul to connect to the source. And that difficulty is hard for people. But for me, it's always been easy. And that depth, I always wanted to try to slide into it. And I really try to just use my personal story. This is, I don't mind telling my, uh, sharing how I got my scars or what they were about because they all... They all help me in ways to grow, and I just want to try to do that with people by sharing that and maybe help them to grow. At least I begin to ask a question, and that's what I said. From that sense, I want to be able to be there, and I'm hoping to be able to use this podcast, from the Ocean of Consciousness, to be a sort of a guide, a reference for people to go to. And, you know, to be honest, Anna, I'm hoping you and I can probably do something in the future where we can turn this into like a video podcast series where we can really just explore these types of things a bit more and maybe get some people involved and make it alive and session but there's a lot that could be done with it like for, for me you just have to ask the questions and i'll try to get the response on it <laughs> <laughs> well that sounds exciting one thing i do want to throw in there you know i totally appreciate that you have pulled from your own experiences and and there are so many wannabe coaches out there they have not lived through certain what's the word i'm looking for life experiences yeah that negative life experiences and been able to overcome so they can tell their clients oh i understand what you're saying but they really don't have a basis to truly relate yeah and i think as far as from your perspective i mean you're authentic you are the real deal <laughs> thank you thank you you, you oh. pull from your own experiences you've gone through a lot you've had your highs you've had your lows you've had the lowest of lows and you know coming back and and prevailing and i think that's important for anybody that's going to coach because you know whether it's life coaching or or you know health and wellness you have to have walked the talk you know not just talk it you, you know what i mean yeah, it, it's about credibility it's about authenticity and that's one of the things i truly love about this book it's one of the things i truly love about what you're doing because you are the real deal you are authentic you're not putting on some fake you know persona and pretending to be some person that is not true or not real and that is one of the most wonderful things about this book about what you're doing and for that i am very grateful well i thank you so much for your kind words i'm you know it's funny because that's what i was worried about the most is that maybe being too authentic would not work out well because people are so you know I, i'm not one of those like that's I'm not going to be keep yelling at you all the time to get you to sell this 995 deal or something like that. It's just some people just have to be so loud and so in your face. I just like to use calm resonance because it's like if I could connect to someone, I can share from that space. What happens is we start to share with each other, and I like to show people how that works. And and I was, but I wasn't sure if being true to myself and being true to to my life experiences and being true to the hurt that I had to experience to find who I am. Almost like I, you don't really wake up until you really die, you know? <laughs> right. And sometimes 
our day-to-day life can hurt us. Our love life can hurt us. The people we choose to trust can hurt us. Our families can hurt us. There's so much ways that it starts to squeeze you. But it's like you're saying, we, we're, we're conformed to, to conditioning in certain ways. And the moment you question or try to separate from that, you're going to feel like almost like a, a boa constrictor. You're going to start to feel that tightness coming around you. And that is what blinding faith is, because now that's the moment you have to truly hold on to who you truly are to be an independent individual. And that is the, the strength and courage that, like I said, I didn't have it in the beginning. And I was the hawk that didn't learn how to soar. But eventually I was, I met some characters and they assisted me in learning to find that courage and that strength within. And those are the people you meet that are your people and your tribe, you know, and they, right. it's like you and my friend Jim. And no matter, like, we don't have to see each other, talk to you the other day, but whenever we connect, it's, it's, that's, that's a connection. That's yeah. It's always the same. It's always consistent. Consistent. Yes. Yeah, very true. Very good. Well, I'm excited. We're going to do some future things. Well, no, and I, I want to thank you so much for joining me again. It's from the Ocean Conscious. And I really do look forward to maybe continuing conversation with you that maybe we can bring this to more people to a video podcast series and we could try to explore what that would take to work. But I think that I want to share the book. I want to share my life experience. And mostly I want people to know I'm here to help. I mean, my goal really is that I want to get some reader retreats going where we can sort of get people together in smaller groups and we're just going to have nice, meaningful events and conversation that really help to take people deeper into the ocean of consciousness. And it's true conversation, it's true questions. So if I can get a small group together, I, that's what I'm hoping for. That sounds great. Well, I'm wishing you all the best. If anybody can do it, you can do it. Thank you so much, Anna. And once again, I want to thank you for joining me in Swimming the Ocean of Consciousness, and I look forward to having you soon. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of Swimming in the Ocean of Consciousness podcast. It was truly a pleasure to be your guide. Please do join us next time for another eye-opening episode. Until then, please remember to thread water lightly always be kind and loving to self.